0: This program is brought to you by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. So let's go and get started this morning. We're in Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse uh, 25. Uh, here the Bible says, and we remember last time we, we looked at, <clears throat> we were looking at a lot of the woes here in Matthew 23, and we got to verse 25, where Christ says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Remember he said hypocrites were those who were uh, hypocrites, a pretender. He says, "For you, cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence." Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, so that the outside of them may be clean also. Matthew twenty-three, twenty-five, and twenty-six. And so his his focus here is clearly on the inside, the inside of man, the heart of man, being right with God. He said uh, here in verse 25 he says uh, you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence uh, extortion again this is from the New King James is the idea of the act of plundering or robbery uh, self-indulgence of course is the idea of, of uh, really it's really the idea of not having self-control uh, uh, having uh, being uh, obsessed with 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 uh, Excess in, in a lot of areas, and so uh, extortion and self-indulgence. He says here is what they're full of. Uh, they're inside. He said the outside. They have, the image there is the outside is clean, but the inside, they're not what they seem. You know, sometimes people, uh, and this really kind of you have to keep this in mind. Sometimes people make a mistake uh, from time to time. And people say, well, they're not what they seem because, you know, they're not absolutely perfect. They make mistakes. And so they kind of label a person as being phony. And that's really not the case. Uh, human beings make mistakes. But here what we find here in verse 25 is the idea of these individuals, uh, they weren't just, these weren't just from mistakes being made from time to time. The idea here, these people were just, they were just evil. And they were phonies. And they were false teachers. They were purposely leading people astray. They purposely were denying uh, the miracles that Christ had done or were just flat out ignoring them. In verse 26, he calls the Pharisee here, he says, blind Pharisee. He says, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that so the outside of them may be clean also. So the the, it, the picture there is you start on the inside. You 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 improve yourself from the inside and moving out. You get your heart right with God. You, you uh, No doubt through the obedience of the gospel. And then you move on from there. You get your heart right with God. You get your mind right. And then you move outwards so you start from inside and working out well these individuals were focused on the outside they were concerned about the inside Uh, verse 27 says here "Woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you are like whitewashed tombs which indeed appear beautiful outwardly but inside are full of dead men's bones and all all uncleanness even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness so again, he he repeats this by giving just another example. He calls them this time, whitewashed tombs. Um, a whitewashed tomb, he says, it appears beautiful outwardly, but what's inside the tomb, unless it's brand new, what's inside the tomb are, as he says here in verse twenty-seven, are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness, nothing you want to you want to touch and be around. He says, even so you even so you also outwardly appear righteous to men. But inside, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He says, you appear righteous to people, but inside, you're, you're not what, what what you really seem to be. He says, notice here in verse 28, he makes it personal. He says, even so, you also, means you are like this, outwardly appear righteous to men. But inside, you're full of hypocrisy, that is fraud, you know, pretenders. And lawlessness means disobedience, so you're full of sin. Uh, they appear one way, but they're quite something else. Verse 29 of Matthew 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. And so what's happening here in verse 20, 29 and 30, he's saying, you adorn the tombs of the prophets. But he says that really what's happening is they're missing the picture that their fathers, killed many of the prophets. Many of their ancestors harassed and abused the prophets of God of the Old Testament. And even in their time period, John the Baptizer was abused. Uh, The apostles would be abused. And he says in verse 30, uh, he says, and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets, saying we would never have done this, right? We would never do what what they had done in the past. Verse 31, he says, therefore, you are witnesses against yourselves and that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Uh, So what's happening here in verse 31 and 32 is he's saying here that you're just like them. You are just like your fathers. You are doing the same exact thing. They're doing it to Christ. They're doing it to uh, they would do it to the Apostles uh, they did it to John the baptizer and we look here in verse 31 and 32 he says here uh, therefore you are witnesses against yourselves that you are sons of those who murder the prophets uh, they may not admit it but they are like their father they, they are, we say sometimes like father like son uh, some in our time say they, if they had lived back then, they would not have been like these Jews. But uh, there are a lot of people, they say a lot of things, but when the rubber meets the road, they're not, they're not like that at all. They, they give in very quickly, and they uh, rebel and buck the truth. Um, looking at verse 32, it says, uh, Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Uh, one commentator says, Fill up the measure followers of your fathers crown their misdeeds by killing the prophet that God has sent to you. Do it last what has long been in your hearts. The hour has come." Uh, a commentary by the name of Bruce, who I'm not overly familiar with, the idea there being that just do what you're going to do. You know, you're going you're going to do this. You're going to live out and follow the same pattern you're, you're, those who have gone before you have. You're going to rebel. You're going to rebuke. You're go or try to rebuke. You're going to. Argue against like the Pharisees. I mean, keep in mind, look look here again in verse uh, twenty nine It says, "What do scribes and Pharisees who had caused them?" who was one of the sources of the biggest, one of the biggest sources of of troublemakers. It was the scribes and Pharisees, I and mean, we know, of course, the Jews had a major part. We know the Sadducees had a major part, but here I mean, he's talking about the scribes and Pharisees. He's, he's saying this because he's saying that they're evil people. They're, they're going to follow the same. Traditions of the fathers, which is to rebel against the prophets, to argue against the prophets, to abuse the prophets, and saying that's why he says here in verse thirty-two, pull up then the measure of your fathers' guilt, meaning just carrying on what your fathers are doing, because that's what you're going to do. You're going to do exactly what they have done. Verse thirty-three says, "Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the the condemnation of hell?" There in verse thirty-three. Uh, these are some some of the stronger words of condemnation that we find in the Bible. Serpents mean snakes, and vipers means a very poisonous snake. So how can people describe like this keep from being lost? Well, they have to repent. The only cure for sin is repentance. For the non-Christian, it's coming to, to God and obedience to the gospel. For the Christian who has uh, erred and, and and committed some type of sin, any type of sin, repentance must take place. And after repentance, we are again made right in the sight of God. But he says here in verse 33, he says, How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Well, we know how. But the problem is, these guys aren't going to do it. Verse 34, Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. He says in verse 34, Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. Well, we see that being played out throughout the New Testament. You see it with Paul. You see it with Peter. You see it with Peter. Uh, you know all the all the all the apostles. If you ever read the book called Fox's Book of Martyrs, it talks about all the things or many of the things in which the apostles endured and how they died. Uh, all of them uh, uh, faced a gruesome death, with the exception maybe being with John, who was exiled to the island of Patmos, as we know from there he wrote the book of Revelation. Um, but they would be those who would be scourged. They would be those who would be uh, persecuted from city to city. We know Paul there in Acts 17. That I mean, that is just one example of many. He went and taught there at Thessalonica. Then he was persecuted. He went to Berea. Then he was persecuted. And he went to Athens. Um, and on and on it goes from city to city. Looking at verse 35... He says that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of, Ahbraciah, uh, uh, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. And surely I see to you, all these things will come upon this generation. And what we about here in verse 35 is they're going to, have to they're going to answer to God for what they've done. They're going to answer to God for the, all the righteous blood that they that they have uh, shed. That means all the people, all the righteous people they have killed, all the evil they have done. Um. We, we shouldn't be surprised if the children of these uh, Jews acted just like their parents acted and their parents before them, perhaps. Um, the phrase here that, you, that, you, that upon you may come on the righteous blood should up, upon the earth may mean that these Pharisees should have learned from history of nowhere else. But since they have not learned a lesson and still have the same attitude as their fathers, they will share in the same guilt and in the same judgment. From Abel, that's Genesis 4, verse 8, to Zacharias, Second Chronicles 24, verse 20, history recorded the murders of the Old Testament. When well, these verses call Zacharias the son of Archias, and we, some believe it to be a copy error. We know that Zacharias was the son of Jehoiada Jehoiada, the priest. It's also possible that the man had two names. As uh, Many people were were given different names at times and, and referred to with different names. Um, because names meant something, and so uh, especially during uh, the Old Testament and the time of the apostles, names were 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 always important. And if, if interesting study is go back and look some of the some of the characters of the Bible and look at the meanings behind their names, it's very very interesting uh, to look at the meanings behind uh, what they were named. Looking at verse uh, thirty-seven. Uh, we find here in verse 37, and this section also can be found in Luke 13, uh, 34 and 35. But here in this section, Jesus begins to, to weep over uh, Jerusalem, uh, 37 through 39. He says here, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Really, this is a conclusion of what he's been doing. He's been pronouncing these woes against the Pharisees and scribes and all these individuals. And he says in verse 37, and he kind of brings this, this part here to a close, if you will. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. And notice this. He says, How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left desolate, for I said, You shall see, no, see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So we see in verse 37, how often he wanted to gather them together. He wanted to bring them to him and said what happened. They killed the prophets and they stoned those who were sent to, sent to them. Uh, verse 38, he says, your house is left desolate, meaning Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. We know Matthew 24 also talks about that. And then verse 39, uh, <coughs> again, so if we're going further. Verse 38, desolate means deserted or destroyed. Um but a parson says here, some apply this to the temple and in view of the discussion and, and in view of the discussion and destruction of the temple in chapter twenty four, it lends credence to this view. This this verdict may be a broader and include Jerusalem, which would include the temple. Uh, so they're going to be punished so is what's going to take place. Uh, verse thirty nine, he says uh, he says here for I say to you, you shall see me no more till you till you say, Bless is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It is sad that it will take the Lord coming again to cause belief in the Jews. However, they will have no alternative but to acknowledge him in that day. There's a day coming when every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. Philippians 2, verses 10 and 11. But then it will be too late to save them. Matthew chapter 24. Now, Matthew 24 can also be found, uh, many references here can also be found in Mark 13, verses 1 and 2, and also Luke 21, verses 5 and 6. Now, of course, when we look at Matthew 24, I say, of course, when we look at Matthew 24, many want to apply all this to say that these are signs pointing to the Lord's return, that all this is rel- relative to when Christ returns, he's going to come back, he's going to set up a kingdom and reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And they said, and here, this are signs pointing towards that. We're going to show how that is not the case. Uh, in Matthew 24, there are several questions are asked here as we begin, and it's not to the latter part of chapter 24 that you actually find where Christ begins to reference the second coming. Prior to that, as we as we're going to go through this. Uh, he is talking about the destruction, the coming destruction of Jerusalem. Just like there in Revelation, uh, how those who are are in Jerusalem are, are encouraged to remain faithful to God. And so we're going to go through this, showing how much of this the majority of it focuses on the destruction of Jerusalem, with only the latter part, really only the latter part of Matthew 24, deals with the second coming of Christ. So let's go and begin looking at Matthew 24. And the heading I have here, I'm, I tend to use the headings of whether Max Patterson uses here. He says, when shall the temple be destroyed, and also when shall be the end of the world? And now, this really is the heading for the entire chapter, because he doesn't talk about the end of the world till the end of the chapter. Let's look at verse 1 and following. Matthew 24, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to him, uh, came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you see, do you not see all these things? So surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, this is key to remember, because this really sets the tone for much of what Christ is talking about, because we see here in verse 20, verse one here, just departed Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple in Jerusalem. And so they're showing him all the buildings of the temple there in Jerusalem. What does he say in verse 2? He says, do you not see all these things? Surely I see do you not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. What's he only talking about for the majority of section? the section? destruction of Jerusalem. And he's talking about the signs that you can know when these things are going to take place. Again, the destruction of Jerusalem, not the end, not the second coming. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. But we know that Christ tells us later in Matthew 24 that no one day, no one knows the day or the hour of 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 when he's going to come again. But my Father only, he says, not even the angels of heaven. So. Uh, keep in mind that any time you read about, especially in Matthew 24, I don't, I don't know anywhere else where this wouldn't apply. But when you read about signs, there of uh, some event taking place, it cannot ever apply to the second coming because Christ himself has said, no one knows the day nor the hour. And so if we look for a sign that's, that's going to predict when Christ is coming back again, we're going against Scripture, because Christ has said that no one knows the day or the hour. Now, if you look here in Matthew chapter uh, 24, and just jumping here for just a moment, now, you know, sometimes <laughs> in, in different Bibles, translations of different headings, This one, unfortunately, has a heading, the coming of the Son of Man in Matthew 24, verse 29, but that's incorrect. You continue reading here, um, in Matthew chapter 24, and looking down at verse 36, this is where Christ actually begins talking about the second coming, not way back here in verse 29. Because where there are signs pointing to an event, it cannot be a reference to the second coming, because if you look here in verse uh thirty six he says, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father's only. But as the days of Noah were worse, so will also be the coming of the Son of Man be, meaning no one knows what's going to happen. Verse thirty six and thirty seven tells us that when Christ comes back no one knows. No one knows when it's going to take place. He says, but of that day and hour no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, which means as everybody's going about living their life in the time of Noah before the rain came, he says, that's how it's going to be. And so he says, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. I meaning everybody's going to be living and doing what they normally do, and then the Lord's going to return, no one's going to know when. Uh, he mentions there in verse 38, for as in days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage and so on. I mean, they were living their lives until the rain came, right? Uh, he mentions there, you know, people will be grinding and, and and doing all these various things, and then the Lord's going to return. Uh, he says here, verse uh, 30, 44, Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man coming coming an hour you do not expect. Uh, if we can look to, to the sky and look to the world for signs of Christ's coming, then can't we? Couldn't we also say, well, I'll be, I'll live however I want until I start seeing these things come to come to pass, and then I'll. Uh, then I'll uh, be faithful to God uh, it would give people <clears throat> a chance to say well, I'll live here at one until these things are coming start happening and then I'll turn to God uh, but that's not the case There are no signs that point to Christ's second coming being near. There are no signs. These signs we mentioned here in verse 3 and following are only in reference to the destruction of Jerusalem, which took place, as we know, back in uh, roughly A.D. 33. Now, looking at uh, Matthew chapter 23, beginning in verse 3. Now, now, as so he sit on the, on, the on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be, the, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Now, the sign of your coming and the end of your age, these things are, uh, these are questions that the apostles are asking. And Christ is going to address them. Looking at verse 4. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, which means don't allow someone to fool you, pay close attention. He says, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Well, we know people have claimed to be the Son of God. In fact, the Pope believes that he is basically God on earth. And Catholics, many Catholics will actually teach that he is God on earth because the Pope will pronounce commandments and changes to to their beliefs. How can you do that? You can't. Biblically speaking, you can't. Mankind can do it all the day long, but it doesn't change what the Bible says. Looking at verse uh, 6 of Matthew 24, "...and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet." The end what? The end of Jerusalem, not the end of time. He says, "...for a nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places." All these are the beginning of sorrows there in verse 8 now the beginning of sorrows mean the beginning of really difficult times some versions have travail for sorrows whereas others have birth pangs these things are not the end Jesus says but the beginning of sorrows the beginning of persecution for for extreme persecution for those living in Jerusalem he says in verse 9 then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated by all for my name's sake and then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because of lawlessness, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of men will grow cold. But he who endures the end shall be saved. In this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. The end what? The end of Jerusalem, not the end of time. These these things he mentions here are various signs pointing to the destruction of Jerusalem coming very quickly. It cannot be a reference to Christ's second coming because if we fast forward, as we already saw, Christ says no one knows when the Lord when he's coming back again, but my Father only. So for that reason, this cannot be referencing the second coming; it has to be referencing something else. And in context, it's the destruction of Jerusalem. Now in verse 15, and and again, Bible headings are sometimes interesting verse 15 here uh, has the heading of the great tribulation well tribulation just means persecution and great tribulation let's be honest there are many great tribulations in the Bible are, are there not the people in Egypt under bondage that was a great tribulation until Moses brought them out uh, the people being cast you know being taken to captivity and going into bondage uh, numerous times that's, that's great tribulation. Tribulation just simply means persecution. And so in all reality, Christians have faced, faced uh, numerous tribulations and numerous severe or great tribulations throughout history. And so to say that there is one great tribulation, how would you know which one it is? Well, this great tribulation you see here is, is the, the severe persecution that those in Jerusalem are facing prior to its destruction. Looking at verse fifteen. Therefore when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. There in verse fifteen. The abomin the abomination of desolation is the destruction of Jerusalem. If you go back and look at Daniel chapter twelve, verse eleven, Daniel nine, verse twenty seven, and Daniel eleven, thirty one, it's a reference to Jerusalem. Abomination means extreme hate disgust and des- uh, being detested desolation means laying waste or ruin so as to cause great grief and woe uh, Daniel's expression and overspreading uh, of abominations he shall he shall make it desolate has to do with the corruption of the Jewish nation uh, and on account of this he shall be he shall make it desolate this is done by the Roman armies spreading the nation and uh, overspreading the nation, and the Jews could not resist them. Luke twenty-one verse twenty, uh, Luke twenty-one twenty says, "And when you see that when you see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation therefore is nigh." So Luke is saying, Luke says, "When you see the armies of Rome around you, know that desolation, or as we said before, this desolation, this this ruin, this." Attack is nigh, is close. And so when when Matthew says here in, in verse, or uh, when Christ says here in verse 15, therefore when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, staying in the holy place, who are read to him understand, then let those who are in the Judea flee to the mountains. Now keep in mind here, first of all, this next section is, is going to obliterate any idea that this is come, talking about the second coming of Christ. Before we get to that though, verse 15 Prophecy shows this is a reference to destruction of Jerusalem. Daniel says it. Luke says it there in Luke 21, twenty one twenty. And when you see Jerusalem compass about, which means you, you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, know that, that you're about to be destroyed, basically. He says, uh then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. When we see Roman armies around the around the city, you know it's about it's about to go down. Uh to put it in 21, 2021 terms, it's about to go down. Uh in verse fifteen, the same idea there. And this idea of standing in the holy, talking about Daniel standing in the holy place and whoever reads him understand. The idea there, whoever reads and understands this will understand what what will understand what, uh, Daniel is talking about, the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, there in verse uh, 15. Standing in the holy place means the city was standing, was standing where it ought to stand. Whoso, whoso reads, let him understand. This is indicated by Daniel, back in Daniel 24 and 25. Now, so we have prophecy talking about here in verse twenty five. This prophecy tells us this is about the destruction of Jerusalem. Now notice here in verse sixteen the following. If any of these if this is in reference to the second coming and not the destruction of Jerusalem, why would Christ say here in verse sixteen when he does? Let those who are in the Judea flee to the mountains. If Christ is coming back, what difference does it make? Verse 17, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. Let him who is in the field not go back to his clothes. He's talking about physically living a place, isn't he? He's not talking about preparing for, for the second coming, because if it's the second coming, what, what would it matter if you're on the housetop? What would it matter if you're being told to flee to the mountains? No one can hide from Christ's second coming, so it must not be a reference to the second coming of Christ. Look at verse 19. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. Why? If it's the second coming in Christ, what does it matter? Because it's not. It's a reference to those who are having to flee from Jerusalem before it's destroyed. And if you're pregnant or nursing a child, it's going to be a much bigger difficulty to do so. Verse 20 says, And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Pray that what? That's not in winter because it's going to be difficult. On the Sabbath meaning what? On the Holy Day, there's going to be a lot going on. Pray that you don't have to flee on the Sabbath, right? He says, for then there will be great tribulation, for then what? At the destruction of Jerusalem, right? Because that's what we're talking about. At the destruction of Jerusalem, there will be great tribulation or great persecution, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh should be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened, which means the destruction is going to be severe. This uh, persecution is going to be intense, but it's not going to last for, for all time. It's going to come to an end. Okay, we are going to stop right there. Um, there's a lot to talk about here in Matthew 24, but we're going to stop there this morning. When we come back next time, uh, we will pick up in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 23. I do thank you for listening this morning. I hope you have been encouraged by this. Hope you have enjoyed this study. Hope you will share with others. Again, this is be on this is on Facebook here obviously. It will be on YouTube at some point on that page as well, on that section for the Illogatry to Christ. There's a playlist there with all these on there or at least most of these on there. And then if you go to Podbean, if you look up uh, or even go on iTunes or whatever, your favorite place to find podcasts, if you type in Bible Studies with Russ, you'll find me there and you'll find all of the studies in audio format that you can listen to as well. So thank you for being here with me today. Hope you enjoyed this study with me and hope to see you again next time. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWaveMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.